Spookies, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour podcast, or just welcome if you're new here. I'm Sam, your host, and we are so excited to be starting season four. Now, season four is going to be a little bit different than past seasons, which have kind of been short and sweet. Um, We're going to have um, a series of episodes, I think around 10 to 12, for part one of season four, then we'll take a short break come back for the second half of season four and that should last us the majority of 2024 we want to bring you guys more great content we want to have lengthier episodes lengthier seasons there will still be episodes that are going to be much shorter than others some stories just don't take as long to tell but that is the plan for now so we are kicking off the new season by exploring the ohio state reformatory The OSR is located in Mansfield, which is in the thick of Appalachian, Ohio. This is an area that I'm extremely familiar with, having been there quite often growing up, as I have family in the area, and they're still in the area. Um, Mansfield actually used to be referred to as Little Kentucky, as a lot of folks from here in eastern KY migrated there to find work. It was once a booming, bustling town, but honestly is now sort of a shell of its former self. The reformatory, however, brings in visitors from all over the world, and it is definitely one of the things that is still keeping Mansfield on the proverbial map. And when I say that people from here went there to find work, even my grandparents at one point lived there for a while, and my family actually lived there for a very short amount of time right after I was born, it did not take us long to come back to Kentucky, our beloved home. We love it here. We came right back to our ancestral homestead. It just was not the place for us. My grandparents also eventually came back because it also was not the place for them, but I still do have family who live there. So let's get into the reformatory. Now the OSR went under construction in 1886 And the work lasted until around 1910. It was constructed in an open field that had once been used as a training camp for soldiers during the Civil War called Camp Mordecai Bartley, which was named after the governor of Ohio during the 1840s. Now, this building would be the Intermediate Penitentiary, though the name was later changed to the Ohio State Reformatory, which, in my opinion, rolls off the tongue much easier. This was intended to be a place that would serve as well an intermediate point between the Boys Industrial School in Lancaster, Ohio, and the State Penitentiary in Columbus. The OSR was meant to house young first-time offenders, and I can imagine that those boys were very intimidated because this building is massive and it is an architectural sight to behold. It's this blend of Victorian Gothic, Richardsonian Romanesque, and Queen Anne. It's made of brick and concrete, and the front has a very castle-like appearance. It's reported that Levi Schofield, who designed the building, gave it this distinct look to, quote, help encourage inmates to become reborn back into their spiritual selves. I think it was probably just to scare the hell out of them. Because no joke, guys, when you drive up to this building, it is intimidating. It genuinely looks like this big gothic castle. And to imagine coming there to be locked up is just, oh my gosh. 
So in September of 1896, the OSR opened to the first 50 young offenders. They were brought by train from the city of Columbus and were put to work building the sewer system of the prison. They also built the 25-foot stone wall that then surrounded the complex. The first person of interest when looking into the fairly grim history of the reformatory is Arthur Lewis Gladke, who served as the superintendent of the prison from 1935 until 1959. He was honestly pretty well respected by other professionals in the area, and even the inmates he was in charge of. He brought a lot of reform to the prison, such as piping in radio music to the cell blocks. Which I know to us doesn't seem like much, but to the incarcerated, music was probably a welcome distraction from the other noises of day-to-day life in prison. It was in November of 1950 that a tragedy occurred involving Glatke's wife, Helen Bauer Glatke. She was reaching into a jewelry box on a shelf when she accidentally discharged a handgun that was hidden there. Now, she did survive the gunshot, but went on to die of pneumonia three days later. Glatke stayed on as superintendent despite the incident that had taken place in his personal quarters within the prison, and he ultimately died in 1959 of a heart attack while sitting in his office. He literally worked until he died. Some people claim to see Helen in the area near where she was shot in the administration wing, and they'll often smell the strong smell of roses in the pink bathroom that once belonged to her. There's also stories of cameras jamming or not working while in this area, as though the Glatkeys value their privacy and really just want to be left alone. Now, Helen is just one of many reported ghosts that dwell within the walls of the old prison, It's estimated that around 200 people died within the walls of OSR, including two guards who were killed during a riot. There's an area of the prison referred to as the hole, which is more or less solitary confinement cells. They're located in the basement in this absolutely barren, horrible place with no natural light filtering in from the massive windows. Inmates reported rats and cockroaches crawling in droves, but nobody cared. It was during the aforementioned riot, which took place in 1957, that an estimated 120 prisoners were all given 30 sentences to be served in the hole. Now, the hole had only about 20 cells, and there were 120 people meant to share them. Infamously, it's told that two inmates were forced into an isolation cell together during this period, and only one of them came out alive. The hole was said to drive inmates absolutely mad, and it's no wonder that further isolation could really push some of them just over the edge. I know that there's a superstition around the number 13, and it's overdone. I mean, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. We're going to go with overdone. (laughs) Anyway, another famous haunted place in the reformatory is cell 13. There was a 22-year-old inmate housed there named James Lockhart. James, 
who was optimistic about his potential release, was denied parole, and it just mentally ravaged this poor man. He's said to have stolen a bottle of turpentine from the furniture shop, where some of the inmates worked while they were in prison. He went back to his cell, poured the liquid all over himself, and then lit a match. And now, I did try to figure out where he got the matches, but I just came up short. We just have to go by the assumption that he stole those as well, probably from the area he worked in. Or, you know, it was prison. He could have bartered someone for them. You know, people were constantly trading and bartering for things. You know, most would make the assumption he was probably a smoker and needed a way to light his cigarettes. But anyway, he got matches. He lit the match and was quickly engulfed in flames. Other inmates and guards just stared, unable to do anything, as he just started screaming in agony the stench of burning human flesh filled the cell block, overwhelming those who were nearby, and poor James burned to death right there in his cell. Visitors to that area of the prison often report hearing screams, which were thought to be those of James as he burned alive. A few folks even claimed to feel a bit of warmth when they wrapped their fingers around the bars of the cell door. Regardless of whether or not the cell is haunted, it's a terrible fate for any human to endure. And it makes you wonder just how bad were things at the prison if the best alternative is to light yourself on fire. One of the sadder stories to come out of the prison is that of a 14-year-old boy. While the reformatory was a facility for juveniles... This boy was reportedly beaten to death in the basement. It's claimed that you can see his apparition in shadow form seen out of the corner of your eye and always staying just out of your full view. The apparition of the boy is thought to be harmless, but there is another entity that haunts the basement. This one is said to be very heavy and very dark and is thought to be the murderer of the boy. It's as though they're forever locked in the dynamic they were in years ago. A scared boy and the man who held power over him. There's a very strange story, and I mean strange, of a place in the prison that's known as the chair room. If you're like me, you probably assumed that the chair room was likely where the electric chair was kept. Well, if you assumed it, then you and I were both very wrong. This is actually a small room with a single chair sitting in it. Whatever entity haunts this room, it really dislikes you moving the chair, and this will anger it greatly, so much so that it will push the chair back to the middle of the room. It's said that you can hear the chair scraping the floor when the room is empty, and one man even reported receiving scratches after he sat in the chair. I did some more digging about that one, and I just can't seem to find anything stating who or what the entity might be, just that it really, really, really loves that chair. There are so many stories about this place, guys. Just so many. Objects moving on their own in the inmate's graveyard, ghostly hands grabbing you in the chapel, mysterious voices and footsteps on the cell blocks. 
If we discussed them all at length, we would literally be here all day. Suffice to say that this place has a long, sordid history, and a lot of that history was very violent. After a period of time, the prison went from being a reformatory for young offenders to being a maximum security building for much more hardened criminals. A lot of those men were violent and did horrible, terrible things in life. So it is not hard to imagine that some of them would want to stick around, continuing to do horrible and terrible things after their death. In December of 1990, a federal court order shut the prison down. The closure stemmed from a class action lawsuit, citing overcrowding and inhumane conditions and treatment. Originally, the building was slated to close in 1986, but that was delayed four years as the new Mansfield Correctional Institute wasn't complete yet. That building still houses inmates today and stands just to the west of the OSR. So if you visit the reformatory building, you can see the new jail prison from some of the windows. And uh, it's worth noting if you go, you should not record, take pictures of anything like that of those buildings and those inmates when they're outside and whatnot. Like, don't do it. There's signs discouraging you from doing it. You can get in a lot of trouble, so don't. A lot of the ground support buildings and the outer wall of the original building were demolished after it was closed. In 1995, a preservation society was formed to rehab the remaining original building and keep it from being subsequently destroyed. In recent years, the reformatory has seen a lot of visitors, thanks in part to the movie Shawshank Redemption, which is based on Stephen King's novella Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. It's become part museum for the movie and its filming locations and part original historical building. I first went to the reformatory when I was around, I think, 12, 13, maybe a little bit younger. We were visiting family, and they lived, like, literally right by it. Um, that first trip I took was the best, because the building was still largely untouched at that time. It would have been the mid to late 90s. And you got such a real sense of what it was like in its heyday. It's one of those places where you could almost just see it in your mind's eye the way it was, and how it must have been for those who were living there. Despite being closed, this place still houses the world's largest freestanding cell block. I mean, this entire building is just immense. It's a wild experience. Or at least it used to be. We even went to the hole, and I volunteered to be shut inside a solitary confinement cell. And believe me, I can easily understand how those two guys must have felt locked in there together and why only one of them came back out that I could not imagine being encapsulated in that those tiny cells with multiple people, not just myself, in the dark for 30 days. Insanity. Now, on our haunted road trip last year, we stopped back at the reformatory on our way through Mansfield returning to my home. I was kind of sad to see how the place has changed, the rehab efforts have been great. They've been able to restore entire areas of the prison. 
but the movie stuff has really taken over. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the short story and the movie for Shawshank, but I don't want to visit the prison for that reason alone. I want to see the history of the place, hear the stories of the folks who lived and worked there. We don't need fiction for places like these. Not when the reality of them is just so much better than a story. And I say that as a, a constant reader, huge Stephen King fan for my entire life. You know, I digress. The link to the movie and also the film Air Force One, which was also filmed there, they've brought a lot of folks in who do bring in revenue, and, and I can't fault them for that, as money is needed to preserve these old historic places, lest we lose them to time and age. Or worse, we lose them to the wrecking ball. If you get the chance to visit the prison, do it. Sign up for a history tour to get the full scope of the place itself and not so much the movie's relation to it. We also made this return trip while they were setting up for their Halloween haunted house, so there were entire areas that were just off limits because of that. Next time I go back, I'm going to plan a bit better, book a history tour instead of the self-guided, I just feel like you'll get a lot more of it that way, like the, the real raw story of the building. As far as I know, they still also do overnight ghost tours where you're locked in from a certain time to a certain time. Um, I would love to return and do that as I've done at some other places in the past. If you're into the paranormal aspect of it, that would be worth checking out if you're in the area or if you're just looking for something spooky to do and that's within the realm of possibility for you. So that's all for this one, Spookies. If you like listening to our stories and ramblings, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Every subscriber helps us keep this channel going. We appreciate all of you and we are so excited to be here for the new season. I can't believe we're on season Four. We hope you'll keep tuning in because it's just going to get better from here, you guys. So until next time, remember... Don't go outside alone after dark.